0: Well, good evening, everybody. It is great to see you. Welcome back. Shh, 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 shh. Just write down what you were saying, and then at the end of the evening, you can just take up the conversation again. But thank you for being here for week six of the Alpha Course. Did you think you'd make it through six weeks? Well, congratulations. Um, I understand several of you guys have been watching all uh, the video or live stream if you haven't been able to make it. So thank you for that. Again, I want to remind you that we've got CDs Uh, at the end of the evening. There'll be a CD of tonight's talk on prayer and uh, you can get the whole collection. It makes a great Christmas present. So just go ahead and get that if you want. And uh, you will say I spared all expense for your Christmas gift because, you know, I mean, it's that's not on the shelves. There's nothing on the shelves. A CD collection of Alpha 38 So, um, take advantage of that um, if you want. So, uh, hey, I want to bring this to your attention. Uh, A part of the Alpha course, a part of the Alpha course is what we call the Alpha Weekend. And we would love for you to come if you can. So, Friday night, November 12th, and Saturday, November 13th, uh, that'll be live stream as well. We would love for you to come. It's a part of the course and uh, we would love for you to attend. Many people say that the weekend is the highlight of the Alpha Course. And so I'm not going to argue with that. I think that's fine. So it'll, Friday night will look just like a Tuesday night. And then Saturday morning starts with an amazing breakfast. Again, I've, I've said this before. It's true. Pete who who's in, responsible for all the meals, has put Shoney's out of business because of... <laughs> Because of the meals, the breakfasts are amazing, and so um, eight thirty we 're going to go till just i think we typically end right about twelve fifteen at the latest we are done on Saturday. So hey, if you can only come Friday night, come Friday night. if you can only come Saturday, come Saturday and then I think that typically happens between week eight and week nine of alpha, so um, after the weekend we 'll finish up the course with the ninth and the 10th week so tonight there is if you'd like to register that will help us in terms of how to prepare meals will so we've still got a couple of weeks until that comes but register for this if you could it's a part of the course it's really an excellent time so want to encourage you to do that well tonight the topic of prayer why and how do i pray that is a great topic because uh, because we all pray um the question is really still how do i pray um And and here's the thing. Prayer is about communication. That's really what prayer is about. You know, all of life is about communication. Uh, It's really interesting. There was an article uh, recently, uh, some archaeology thing or another, some archaeological digest. But it it talks about archaeological discoveries over the years. Uh, And this one had a lot to do with communication. And since that's prayer, I thought this would be interesting for us to talk about tonight. The article says, after having dug to a depth of 10 feet last year, New York scientists found traces of copper wire dating back 100 years and came to the conclusion that their ancestors already had a telephone network more than 100 years ago. It's amazing. Well, not to be outdone by the New Yorkers, in the weeks that followed, California scientists dug to a depth of 20 feet And shortly thereafter, headlines in the Los Angeles Times read, California archaeologists have found traces of 200-year-old copper wire and have concluded that their ancestors already had an advanced high-tech communications network 100 years before the New Yorkers. One week later, strangely enough, the Daily Advertiser, a local newspaper in Bunky, Louisiana, (laughs) reported the following. After digging as deep as 30 feet in the rice fields near Forked Island, Boudreaux, a self-taught archaeologist, reported that he found absolutely nothing. Boudreaux has therefore concluded that at least 300 years ago, Louisiana had already gone wireless. <laughs> it's amazing. Louisiana, I mean, an amazing state. We are so advanced. So anyway, well, the good news is we talk about prayer. That is that communication with God is always wireless and the reception is available all over the world. So and tonight is just an introduction to prayer. We're going to we're just going to scratch the surface. Thousands of books probably have been written on the topic of prayer. But let's first talk about what prayer really isn't. Prayer is not. Let's make a deal. Prayer is not, God, uh, if I pray this 10 times, you'll give me this, and I pray 20 times, you'll give me this. It's like the advanced thing. You know. If you pray this many times, that many for that much stuff, you just get more. Prayer is not my thinking what I can do to get God to give me what I want. Uh, prayer is not, as I said, let's make a deal. Uh, prayer is not, it's, it's not meological. It's not BVM currency, You know, the blessed vending machine currency that we have talked about. Prayer is not transactional. Prayer is biblical prayer. The way the Bible talks about prayer, prayer is relational. But I tell you, growing up in my myological realm, uh, worldview, uh, it was transactional. I'm coming to God because I need something. It was nothing, it was non relational. It had nothing to do with having or experiencing an intimate relationship with God. It was, God, I got my butt in a crack and I need to get it out of here. Um, So, Prayer is, though, you know, we're on, on, we're on page 30. It is the most important activity of our lives. And then what we do with, as a result of having prayed, I have said, it is every bit as important. It's conversation with God, and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all involved in this communication. And just as there are stereotypes that keep us Outside the pages of the Bible that we talked about last week, there are stereotypes of prayer that keep us from communicating biblically. And biblical prayer is that which is proper, it's personal, it can be spontaneous. But it is always has the ability to be intimate communication with God himself. So, you know, prayer can also be used, the, the word can be conversation. Communication, just being there. But mostly, it is relational. The Bible is instrumental in teaching us what prayer, being with God, communicating, conversing with God, is, and what it is not. But prayer is two-way communication. Let me get this around me here. Um, prayer is talking to God, and prayer is waiting and listening to God, and the. The the Bible tells us that God speaks to us through our senses, speaks to us through others, speaks to us through circumstances, and, and speaks to us directly through the Bible. Prayer is our lifeline to God. Like, communication with those closest to us is our lifeline to others. If what we see about ourselves, as we talked about last week, is ultimately relational, then we need to see that as prayer as well. The Bible shows us a God who cares he shows us a God who wants us to know him and communicate with us and just like we get to know one another by being together with one another so that is with with God so let's just take a look at some some scriptures here the Bible tells us prayer is addressed to the father well first off let me get back here because I just skipped one spot The main reason why God wants us to pray is this. He wants us to know him. Why is that? Well, look at what the scripture says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Well, what is, how do you know that he loved? But love, understand this, love speaks, love communicates. Giving is a statement of care and love. And so God is the one who, if you will, prayed to us. Now, I don't mean he prayed to us, hoping we would do something for him. That's not what I'm saying. He is the one that communicated to us first. He initiated communication to us, he initiated conversation and revelation to us. So he loved. That's conversation. Giving is conversation. Look, come to me. That, that's an initiation from God that we've talked about. He says, come to me. He prays us, come to him. And I will give you rest. That's communication. He's communicating love. Learn of me. How do you learn of someone without there being communication? He wants us to learn of him. And that he is gentle and humble of heart. That is communication about who he is. So in knowing who he is, we know how to communicate with him. And to understand that God could not be more intentional than he is. In terms of revealing to us how much he cares for us and so here's a perfect example of this here in the gospel of matthew the sixth chapter the sixth verse here's what jesus says but when you pray go into your room now look do me a favor just do me a favor (laughs) think about this now not so much on a corporate sense but think about this as very intimate between you and God okay so these these are amazingly intimate words when you pray when you communicate go into your room close the door and pray to your father who is unseen and then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you do you hear do do you hear that that's God saying come to me come to me hey close the door I want to be with you He is communicating something. here. Yes, I I love corporate prayer. I love times when we get together as as a church or as individuals and just pray together. But here God is saying something is that you are so loved by me. I desire for you to know me in such an, an intimate way. I want you to come. Close the door. Pray to you. Look what it says. Your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You know, this father loves being with his kids. But this reward from the father, I think the reward that the father is speaking of here is not so much getting what we think we want we need, want or need, but getting who we want and need. Now, that's not to say that God doesn't answer. I know God answers prayer. Every one of you here probably had have an answer to prayer. That's something y'all can talk about at your tables tonight. But what I need more than what I need or want, I need him. That's what I think that's the reward that sticks with us is that the reward of I know this God more than I did. So the reward is not so much what I want or need, but who I want and need. And so we pray to the Father. We pray, the Bible says we pray through the Son. This is fascinating. This is great news here. Uh, some of us who, who grew up in particular traditions of praying this this is fascinating. this may challenge you a little bit i 'm not attempting to be critical or denigrating i just want to tell you what the Bible says and what the bible doesn 't say Ephesians chapter two this is Paul writing to the church those are, Paul is writing you know i 'm going to pull out my cups tonight again don 't you I, 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 it 's just not an i put up the at least I put up the ruler okay so um, look what you say so Paul is writing to those who were I'm not trying to play a game here. But th- those who were in Adam, but now we're in Christ. Okay, they've, they've received the gift. They've gotten in the wheelbarrow. They've said, I do. Right, so that's who Paul is writing to here. The letters to the churches are the letters to those who are in Christ. He says, for through him, that is Jesus, we both, when he says we both here, Jews and Gentiles, I've added these words here, have access to the Father by one spirit. Okay, so, through him. Now, here, here's the great news. God has instructed us only to go through Jesus. Now, now, imagine if if you worked, let me say you were the, you know, you went to work at a, a Fortune 5 company. There are maybe millions of employees. And you're working, let's say, in the postal room. You know, you're working where the in the mail delivery room. But the CEO comes to you and says to you, Hey, now he's he's a CEO over all these employees. He says, I want you to come. If you have any questions, I want you to come directly to me. I don't want you to go to your supervisor or your manager or your director, the vice president, the assistant vice president, the senior vice president, uh, the partner. I want you to come directly to me. How would you feel about that? If the CEO came to you personally and says, I want you to come directly to me. And you thought, well, I know I'm an employee of the company, but... You want me? I don't have to go through lines of bureaucracy to get to you. No, I want you to come directly to me. How would you feel about that? You'd feel pretty special, wouldn't you? Well, guess what? God says, Come directly to me. How do I come directly to me? Through Jesus, we have access to Him. God has called us to go directly to Him. There are no intermediaries except one, and that is the man Christ Jesus. That's what. We are told in, when Paul writes his letter to the pastor, the young pastor, Timothy, there is one God and there is one mediator between man and God, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is not only the bridge that brings us to God the Father, he is the door that opens the way to God the Father. Folks, that is great news That is marvelous news. That is intimate news. That is caring news. That God wants you to realize that there is no one else you have to go to but him. And that is incredible truth. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says. So we pray to the Father. We pray through the Son because of the Son because now we're in Christ if we've received him. And then we pray because we pray in the power of the Spirit. Now, let me just back up for a second. Because in two weeks, we're going to talk about the topic, who is the Holy Spirit? I knew nothing about this because I knew nothing about the Bible. And so we're going to talk about that in two weeks. But the Spirit is involved with our praying as well. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know... What we ought to pray for. You ever been there? Just don't know what to pray for. Yeah, sure. Anybody drawing breath. It's like, I'm not quite sure even how to pray. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Do you hear this? The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, who was involved with creation. He intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. I don't know what groans that words cannot express are. I have no idea. But it's something amazingly, it's beyond words. It is beyond words. And so we pray to the Father, through the Son, and we pray in the power of the Spirit because God is for us. That's the thing. God is not always just a bit angry with me or disgusted with me. If I'm in Christ, He is for me. Do you see that? He is for you. And He wants us to know that. Like, he's always ticked. There's something about you that really ticks me off, God says. And I'm just waiting for you to just make a mistake so I can drop the, the hammer on you. That, that is not the God of the Bible. Maybe your parents, but it's not the God of the Bible. So prayer is for the purpose of communicating with God, which results in beginning and developing relations with him. But prayer is not dialogue with just anybody. Okay, I don't know if you sit down and you get these phone calls like these political surveys and all this other stuff and it's sales calls and everything else during dinner. I mean, imagine this. Imagine if. Go ahead. Imagine if the president of the United States uh, were to call. um, Could you just give me a second real quick? I told him not to call. Yes, Mr. President. No, I, I am a bit surprised, sir, to get your call because I thought it was past your bedtime. <laughs> um, yes. Do uh, um, you want to do an alpha course for the Congress? Well, um, could I get back with you on that? I mean, I'm a little bit tied up right now. Um, yes, sir. Okay. Yes. Yes. Tell tell Jill hi for me, too. Okay. Bye. Uh, Ned. The president says hello. Um, Now, that wasn't really the president, in case you weren't. Um, But imagine if you got a call from the president of the United States. Now, I don't know if if the current president is your cup of tea or the past president was your cup of tea. It doesn't really matter. You got a call from the president of the United States. He wanted to talk to you. Um, Wow. Um, How would you feel about that? Would you just tell everybody? You are not going to believe this. Uh, The the president butt-dialed me last night. No, that's not what you're saying. The president president called me last night. He intentionally called me. He wanted to talk to me. Now, you would tell everybody about that. I am confident you would tell everybody about that. And you'd be amazed by that. But here's the thing. What What if the God of the universe... Was trying to get a hold of you. What if God himself. Was calling. Would you you turn down a call from him? Have you turned down a call from him? Um, I, I, I would contend that God has been initiating a call to our. Our hearts. For a long time. But the question is will I. Answer. Will I answer his call? Or will I continually send him to a voicemail box that has not been set up, that I can't even get my voicemails? So possibly the bad news could be that you haven't answered yet, but the good news is the God of the Bible is incredibly persistent. He is incredibly patient. And he is forever calling. You know, even God's name speaks communication Uh, this john 1 1 this is what john writes in the beginning was the word so even his name is what communication in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god i mean he spoke he spoke creation into being and he speaks redemption into being when he calls us out of adam and places us into christ and so and, and he speaks to us of what life is as well Jesus writes this the last day on earth before he's about to go to the cross. He says, he prays to his father. He says, this is eternal life that you know something. Okay, now Remember, we talked about eternal life before. Who's eternal? God's eternal. Then if we're talking about eternal life, what kind of life are we talking about getting? God's life, which is eternal. He says, this is eternal life that you know what? You know what? You know the father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. God's intention. How do you know somebody unless they're communicating with you? How do you know somebody unless you're listening to them, reading about them, spending time with them? See, why and how I pray is mostly about first understanding that God is initiating the call. And he's given us many means whereby we can communicate with him. And this is one of them. A powerful, important one of them. So eternal life is knowing the Father and knowing Jesus. It doesn't say that eternal life, this is eternal life, that you know the rules, that you keep the rules, that you make sure you don't do anything wrong, that you do everything yes, do everything right. It's not that. It's knowing God is eternal life. That sounds like a big thing to know. Yeah. It sounds like that takes some time. yeah but I can tell you having been in Christ for like four and a half decades more than some of you have been on the planet um, I wouldn't trade those moments for anything as a matter of fact uh, in many ways I, I wish I'd have spent more of them with him than I have because I've never been disappointed when I've sat to just be with him and to hear from him through his word or through song or through whatever means. So eternal life is not about getting something and trying to hold on to it. It's about getting someone who is holding on to us. So, I mean, how do you how do you come to know anyone? How do you come to know anybody if not if 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 not for communicating, spending time? How could you even come to know God if not for them? But but here's the thing. I um, I know some of you've been married for several years. Um, Annette and I have been married for, as I think I told you guys, forty three years. And the question is, you know, you could ask this question: How many, how much did I trust Annette, or how much did Annette trust me forty five years ago? Well, I could say, well, she didn't know me 45 years ago well how much did she know me 43 years ago i'd say well maybe she knew me a little bit um well the more she knew you did she trust you more and you know she did she trusted me more the more she knew me um whether that was good judgment on her part i mean we're not going to talk about that now but 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 so the more she could say the more she knew me the more she trusted me and the more she trusted me, um, the more she loved me. And the more she loved me, the more she served me. I can certainly say that of her. The more I trusted her, more, pardon me, the more I knew her, the more I trusted her. The more I trusted her, the more I loved her. Do you see the progress here? From knowing to trusting to loving to serving. And the serving is not because out of fear, the serving is out of loving. Because I love you, I want to express my love to you and my love for you. And so the more I knew her, the more I trusted her. The more I trusted her, uh, the more I loved her. The more I loved her, the more I wanted to serve her. And guess what happened as I served her more? Then I knew her more. And then I trusted her more and I loved her more and I served her more, which made me know her more. And do you see what I'm saying? This, This constant progression of knowing, trusting, loving, serving. And that, as, as we experience that in marriage, in this closest relationship we can have on the planet, how much more so if two completely imperfect individuals can experience that? Not without setbacks, of course, but how much more so is that possible with a God that says, hey, eternal life is knowing me so that you can trust me. And the more you know me, the more you'll trust me, the more you'll love me, the more you'll desire to serve me, not out of religious obligation, but out of the joy of knowing my love and just being filled with that love and desiring to express that love. But you know, that doesn't happen necessarily in every marital situation. Um, There is um, a couple here. That it's kind of a sad story, actually. Um, This couple had been married for for many, many, many years, and uh, he took uh, has eventually hit this. I mean, as sweet as she looks, Um, she she could be a bit of a nag from time to time. Um, uh, If this resembles anyone you know, it's pure coincidence. All right, so please, you know, this the names have been changed. Um, But they went to to Jerusalem. They went to a vacation in Jerusalem. And the horrifying thing is that while they were in Jerusalem, um, the wife suddenly passed away. It's tragic. And they went to a Jerusalem uh, undertaker. And um, he told the husband, uh, Sir, I'm very sorry for your loss. Um, You could could have your wife shipped back to the United States. Uh, or you could bury her here in Jerusalem. And he said, well, what's the cost? He said, well, um, to bury her, he, it, to take her back to the United States, it's going to cost you about $10,000 to get her back. He said, whoa. Um, but, sir, it'll only cost you about 100 American dollars to bury her here in Jerusalem. He thought about it for a minute. And he said, I, th- I think I'll just have her shipped back to the United States. And the undertaker said, Sir. You, I mean, she could stay here in Jerusalem, her body, um, and it cost you, I mean, you'd save $9,900. He says, yeah, I know that. He said, but long time ago, a man died here. Um, and three days later, he, he rose from the dead. I, I, I just can't take that chance. So, so not not every relationship is is as good as as you may hope. That's, anyway. But here's the thing: you remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about um, Annette and me standing at the Annette and me standing at the altar, and I, and the minister says, "Frank, do you take Annette to be your wife?" And I, and I say, well, she's gorgeous, she's a great cook, her dad's rich, all those things. You know, I can believe all the right things about Annette, but never say, I do. But here's the thing, what happens after you say, I do? When you say, I do, to Jesus, what happens? What happens when you say, I do, to your spouse? You don't get in separate limousines. Imagine you go going out the church, and there's two limousines there. They're, they're heading in different directions. And they've got, you know, all these things have sunroofs or moonroofs, and you Pop your head, you know, and that's in one limo. She pops her head out of the limo, and I pop my head out of the different limo. And as the limos drive away, you said, "That was a beautiful ceremony. That was so emotional. I just felt so so good and tingly. Wasn't that awesome?" Um, and I, let's maybe let's get together again sometime. It's just great doing this. Nice to see you. Um, so, it, what is marriage? Marriage is just the beginning. Marriage is just the beginning of what is to be a lifelong experience of knowing, trusting, loving, serving. Knowing, trusting, loving, serving. I think I'm cheering here. Knowing, trusting, loving, serving. Um, but but that's, what, that's what it's supposed to be. It's only the beginning. <laughs> it's only the beginning of years of communication. Saying I do to Jesus, getting in the wheelbarrow, receiving the gift is just the beginning. Ladies, when you give birth to your child, ah! Oh, What a beautiful child. Sweetheart, you ready to go home? Let's go get some dinner. And just leave the baby. You don't do that. Unless there's something really wrong with you. You don't do that. It's just the beginning. See, coming to know Christ is just the beginning. Communication is the the energy, if you will. Just like communication with one another is the way in which we grow to know. So we grow to trust. So we grow to love. So we grow to serve and that's what god desires for us now you know there we see several models of prayer in the bible um one of the the models of prayer that we see is given to us in mark chapter one you know it's interesting um You know, I mentioned a moment ago that the Bible says, in the beginning was the Word, and that's Jesus. The Word was with God, Jesus, and the Word was God, Jesus. I mean, you see the deity of Christ in that. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So we're beginning to see a sense of Trinity here, which we'll talk about again in week 8 For a moment when we talk about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. I I just thought about this um, a little bit more today. We won't hear the word if we are hearing so many other words. Okay, We won't hear the word if we are hearing so many other words. So this is what Jesus would do. I, I can't imagine a much more busy three years than what Jesus spent on the earth. If what the Bible tells us is true. And so this is what the Gospel of Mark says. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he spent time with his father, where he prayed. See, it was essential. Can I tell you, there's a lot of mornings that I just, out the bed and gone. Those are days that are typically rougher than others. Um, that time with him if Jesus needed that time with him. <laughs> hmm. uh, and so we, we get a model of that. Just that time. Maybe it's five minutes. Maybe it's two minutes. But it's two minutes more maybe than you've ever spent before. Maybe it's a minute more than you ever spent before. Maybe it's 30 seconds more than you spent before. Maybe the 30, sec- 30 seconds becomes a minute. It becomes two minutes. It becomes four minutes. It becomes eight minutes. But I gar- guarantee you. like me, The more you know him. The more you give give him time, I give him time to know him, the more I will trust him. The more I will see him in ways that I never saw him before, the more I can discern, I see what that is. I recognize that. I never saw that before. And he just begins, whether it's reading the Bible, prayerfully reading through the Bible, or prayerfully going through your day. The way, you know, why and how do I pray is not necessarily the recital of prayers written down it's the experiencing of a, a god through a day that doesn't always follow the patterns that you and i believe they should but he's with us all through them so why pray i mean as i said the reward is is knowing god but this is what jesus says in john 16 until now you have asked for nothing in my na- in my name ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full now what is jesus not saying here he's not just saying just pray something and then say in the name of jesus and you get it that's not at all what he's saying okay if, if you ask um, ask and you will receive now, what is he talking about receiving well he's just come out of john chapter 15 which interesting comes before john chapter 16 in case you didn't know that um, I know it's kind of deep, but so John chapter 15, Jesus is talking about abiding and knowing him. And, and he's saying here, you've asked for nothing in my name. What are they asking for? They're asking to show us the father, show us who God is, show, who, show who he is. And Jesus says, you want to know that you ask in my name and you will receive because you know what to ask. The more you know, the more you trust, the more you love, the more you serve, the more you know what to ask for and to to what not ask for. Again, that's not perfect. I'm not saying that's perfect. I'm telling you 45 years later, I'm not perfect in that because I'm still knowing him. But ask and you will receive. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that receiving in a minute. So that your look at this, your joy may be full. Now, he doesn't say that your happiness will be full. He says that your joy would be full. And what is joy? Joy is something that God gives us. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's the work of Christ in us and us in Christ, where even in the midst of grief, there is joy. We're not talking about happiness. He doesn't say that your happiness may be made full because the word happiness depends on happenstance, right? If something I like, hap ends, I'm happy. If something I don't like, hap ends, I am unhappy. This is joy. This is all pervasive. This is when I'm crying my eyeballs out. There's still a sense of joy when I'm grieving like I've never grieved before because there's that sense of knowing that God is with me. So yeah, ask away. But no, God is only going to give good gifts, those things which are right, which we're going to talk about a little bit. So he gives joy because we get to know God, the God who is joy and then peace as well here's what here's paul writing to the church at philippi the philippians do not be anxious he says about anything but in everything by praying and petitioning with thanksgiving present your request to god and then what happens and then you get your prayers answered is that what it says no, that's not what it says it says and the peace of god which passes all understanding will guard your hearts, your emotions, and your minds, your intellects, your thinking, in Christ Jesus. So he's saying, hey, you don't have to, you don't have to sweat it, Frank. Okay, you, you don't have to sweat it. Everything. Talk to me. Ask me. Be thankful because I only have what is good for you. Tell me what you want. And the more you trust me, the peace of God, which doesn't make any sense, right? That's what passes all understanding means. Doesn't make any, any natural sense. Will guard your heart. How do you like to have your heart guarded? You'd like that, wouldn't you? How do you like to have your mind guarded? He's, he's The peace of God. Now, who's the peace of God? The Bible says that Christ himself is our peace. Get around Christmas time, you'll see this. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. See, the peace of God that passes understanding is the God of peace who guards our hearts and our minds. The Christian life is not about the commodity of peace or the commodity of joy or the commodity of anything else. It's about christ himself who is our joy and who is our peace i know how and i know why to pray i know how to pray when i know the one who shows me who he is and the more i get to know him the more i know how to pray so on page 31 does god always answer prayer yes he does he answers the prayer yes he answers the prayer uh not now That's another answer. Because I have something better for you. Or he may answer the prayer, no. But he always answers prayer. As John Stott said this, I think this is good. He said, if God says no, the requests are either not good in themselves or not good for us. Or for others. Because, you know, the the way God may answer our prayers are going to affect other people as well. They're not good for others directly or indirectly, immediately or ultimately. See that? The requests are either not good in themselves. They're not good for us. They're not good for others, directly or indirectly, immediately or ultimately. But that means I've got to trust that God knows better than I do. He has to have a better sense of the future than I do. I love what um, Jack Taylor said. He said, I believe I'm more grateful for the prayers God didn't answer yes to than I am for the ones he did. For if he had answered them, I would be ruined. Have you ever prayed a prayer that you're glad didn't get answered? Really? I mean, think about that. I can only imagine the thing where I would be today if God had answered some of my cock and bull prayers. Um, but he didn't. See but th- but this is an interesting thing right here that I think is good. Prayer, there's a lot of words here. Prayer, prayer may or may not change things. We've all heard that, right? Prayer changes things. Well, maybe. Yes. Sometimes. Prayer may or may not change things, but prayer that looks for God and looks to God And his will always changes the one praying. And God may have orchestrated the very circumstances that we're in for that very reason. Ultimately, all prayer is for God's purposes to be revealed. And that's always good for us. See, it it keeps God in the driver's seat. keeps him where he needs to be and me where I need to be. You got that? And so tonight, I, I'm really excited about just times at our table tonight um, and times at your table where you can talk about some of these examples of where God has answered prayer or didn't answer prayer or how, however those circumstances have been. But one of the, uh, but one of the things I, I want to show us about it is a little little video clip tonight about um, there's a guy in World War II, his name is Louis Zamperini. I don't know if any of you know of louis Zamperini, uh a, actually three books were written on his life um captive uh, i think captured for christ unbroken uh is another one i think three movies were written i don't know if y'all anybody see the movie unbroken okay just an excellent film Zamperini was a bombardier uh, on the b-24s uh in world war ii his plane uh crashed in the Pacific, and uh, they were left for dead. And this is a dramatization of that moment uh, when Zamparini, after Zamparini's plane had crashed, and they are in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. They spent 47 days in the Pacific Ocean. On two occasions, they were they were shot at by Japanese warplanes, and somehow they survived that. They're, Their life rafts didn't do very well, but they made it okay. So here's a little clip from Mike's going to show you up here on the screen of um, from the movie Unbroken. I swear I'll dedicate my whole life to you. I'll do whatever you want. Please. Oh. So, um Quite a story of Zamforino. He survived that. He survived Japanese concentration camps. Uh, He came back to the United States with PTSD, became a raging alcoholic, and then one day stumbled into a Billy Graham crusade. And his life was never the same. And he went back to Japan on many occasions to lead the very ones who tortured him to the saving knowledge of Jesus, having found total forgiveness in his heart. So I, God answered that prayer in ways in which Zamparini never imagined. And he finally died at the age of 97 years old. Um, that's one example. Um, there are several examples. Uh, I can give you examples of prayers that weren't answered the way we wanted them <clears throat> to be answered. Um, there was a young man that came to work with me um, about 15 years ago, 16, 17 years ago, maybe more than that. Uh, he was a captain at the time in the United States Army. His, his team was the first to go from uh, Kuwait into Iraq and um, survived that, uh, miraculously survived uh, an IED going directly through his Humvee from the, through the window and out the back, um, he was, uh, I, I love this man, um, so he eventually came to work with us, and, um, and I invited him to the alpha course, and he came to alpha, now every other f and word out of his f and mouth was F, just so you know, um, and it wasn't Frank, um, <laughs> kind of ended with this, began and ended with the same two consonants, but, um, He came to Alpha, and I began to watch God change this man. And uh, after one Alpha, I don't remember what week it was, he comes into my office. Now, this, I mean, hulking man, just barrel-chested man, totally shaved head. Um, And he sat on the other side of my desk, and he said, am I to understand that this is what one does This is the prayer that you pray to receive Christ. I said, well, it really doesn't matter, you know, what the words sound like, but um, sure. And I watched this United States Army captain, hardened, who was having, through PTSD, having dreams, nightmares, awakening his wife, screaming, sweating so many nights during the week put his elbows on his knees put his head in his hands and said basically Jesus take over I give you my life and I'm sitting here watching this like wow God it's amazing um, and I would come back into the office I was just a tremendous time with him and then I, days later, as I'm coming to the office, this big, brawny United States captain, military captain, is reading his Bible before work starts and has not had another PTSD dream nightmare since then. I can't explain that. But for an intervening God that answered a prayer that really wasn't even prayed beyond anything he prayed he wasn't looking for that and god gave him more than he was even looking for this is the kind of god this is and this is why we pray and the how we pray sure we 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 look at the scripture and we come to see more of that well i want to do this real quick i want to just take you to grab your bible if you've got it and turn to page um 506 real quickly if you're at home, it's just, it's the 23rd Psalm, and we're familiar with the 23rd Psalm. But what a great way to pray is to is just to pray the Scripture back to God. You can't go wrong with that. <laughs> these are His words. If what the Bible says is true, these are His words, and we can pray that. Th- there's not a soul in this room that has not heard the 23rd Psalm. Unfortunately, we mostly hear it at funerals. Not, that's not unfortunate that we hear it at funerals, but it's much too late. Don't waste. Psalm 23 till you're dead. Okay, just don't waste it till you're dead. This, this, is, this is the psalm for every day of your life and my life. And you know it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me besides the waters. But let me stop you for a minute and let's turn this into a direct prayer to God. And this is what we can do through the psalms. And at your table tonight, you'll see many other scriptures you can use. But we could pray something like this. And just follow, hear me as you read the words. Lord, you are my shepherd. Therefore I shall not be in want. Why, Lord? Because you make me, you make me lie down in green pastures. You lead me beside still waters. You restore my soul. Lord, you guide my, you lead me in paths of righteousness for your namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I I have no reason to fear evil because you are with me. Lord, you're like a shepherd, your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me, they protect me. You you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Lord, you you anoint my head with oil and my cup it doesn't go empty, it overflows. Lord, surely goodness and mercy, surely you who are goodness and you who are mercy, shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in your house forever. See, th- these are just intimate, wonderful ways in which we can communicate with our Father. And you can just go through the Psalms, there's 150 of them, and experience that intimate communication. And then stop. And listen to what you just said there's no law against reading something twice it's fascinating um, and so this I, this is a great way i could if I had more time, I would take you through more of this right now because it just it impacts me sitting here reading reading this um, so you know one of the if you were to ask a prayer a New testament prayer you Almost all of us would go to what we call the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. You know, the, which would probably be better described as the Disciples' Prayer. Um, but what we, what we, what I didn't realize, and maybe what you don't realize, is that the Lord's Prayer is more of an outline of prayer than it's something you and I should just pray. I mean, I don't know if you had contests at school as to how fast you could pray the Our Father, um, but. You know, I mean, particularly if you have to repeat so, it so many times and you're short on time. But what if we saw the, the disciples' prayer, or what we call the Lord's prayer, or the Our Father, as more of an outline of prayer than just those words being the prayer? <laughs> I got to hurry. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Do, do you see this? Just a statement here Our Father. To as many as receive him, to those who believe in his name, then he gave the right to become children of God. If you believe in his name, you become a child of God. Therefore, he becomes your dad, our father. Hallowed, or holy, is your name. And then just think for a moment on the fact that you're my dad. You're my God who created all things. is my father. And he is holy. And his name is holy. do, Do you see what could be happening in your heart and in your mind as you just began to just get marinated in that truth. Um, second chapter, your kingdom come. Okay, your kingdom come. Lord, your purposes, your rule, and your reign come. Lord, I want to surrender to your kingdom. I want to know you. But Jeffrey, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, you know, Placing God's will above mine, right? Your will be done as it is in heaven. Not my will. I want to know what your will is, Lord. Um, I want to know what your will is for my future. I want to know what your will is for my family. I want my life to be spent for you. Um, give us this day our daily bread. Yeah, ask God about the things that we need. We do that with our natural fathers. We do that with our... our uh, our Heavenly Father as well. Who is, you know, so this is important. Just again, and what is this a statement of? This is a statement of dependence. I need you. Give me, Lord, please, my daily bread. And and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, i got to do this real quickly, but just think about this for a minute. What, um, do you want to be forgiven the way you forgive others? Just raise your hands. Don't do that. You don't want to do that. Because we don't want to be forgiven the way we forgive others. Our forgiveness is temporary. I think what God has done here is He's He's kind of caught us in a trap to where we see to where we say, I I can't do that without you. I can't forgive without the God who forgives through me. I can't do that. See this this is the one of the beauties of Prayer and being in christ is there. Things I just can't do, and I can't forgive. All right, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Hmm. I have a difficult time with that. But let me just ask you this question real quickly. Just think for for a moment—the worst thing you've ever done. Worst thing you've ever done. Think of the worst thing you've ever done. You there? I'm not going to ask anybody to say it, so don't worry. But I could tell you something you've done is that's worse. I remember being asked this question. I'm going, okay. I'm thinking through the worst thing I've ever done, and the guy says, "I can tell you something that you've done, Frank, that's worse." What? What is that? You are responsible for hanging the Son of God on a cross. See, it was my sin. While I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. He came to pay the ultimate price for my self-centeredness. My self-desire to be as God. So the question is, if God forgave me and sent his son as the payment that I could be taken out of Adam and placed into Christ, who can I not forgive? Hmm. Forgive us our debts, Lord. Maybe as you forgave us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, some say from the evil one, and lead us not in tempta- into temptation. You know why? Because I don't need God would first and lead, would God would not lead me into temptation. I lead myself into temptation. I don't need God to lead me into temptation. I lead myself into temptation. Thank you that you do not lead me into temptation, but unfortunately, I lead myself there, and I allow the evil one to lead. Be there as well. But you know, the greatest, the most important prayer is the one of surrender to Jesus Christ. That moment of I do, that moment of faith, of getting in the wheelbarrow or receiving the gift. That is the entryway prayer to intimacy and communication with God, like you cannot even begin to matter, begin to ima- uh, imagine. So, so here's the question, Have you, could you consider that Alpha may be the connection, maybe the phone line, uh, that God has chosen to communicate with each of us his love and his desire for us to know him closely, personally, intimately. Um, if so, I would just encourage you again tonight, as you lie in your bed and you stare at the ceiling, God, do you really want me to know you this deeply? And do you really know me this this wonderfully? And if what the Bible says is true, the answer is yes. And then all you have to do, because you believe it in your heart, is to simply say before you fall off to sleep, I do. I receive you. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Okay. I've got to stop. Remember, the Alpha Weekend... Really hope you can make it. Uh, Friday night, November twelfth. Saturday morning, November thirteenth. Um, next week, uh, we're going to skip a little bit ahead. We're going to talk about how can I resist evil. Now, you know, it's going to come a week after Halloween. But you know, we're going to talk about this anyway. How can I resist evil? Fascinating stuff. We're going to talk about what does the Bible have to say about evil and the evil one in particular. So let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for watching live stream. And we hope to see you here next week for session number seven. I'll have a great time together at your tables and have a good night.